Hello, welcome to episode six, Reading with Finest. Um, I was kind of, what's the word? I didn't want to do this for today. Like, you know, I was like, oh, pushing it back, pushing it back. But I was like, you know, you might as well just get it reading, get it done. Your audience likes continuity and you should just keep doing it every day. So, or at least try to. There is no try, there is just do. Hmm. We'll see. Uh, today's story is Leaving Home. And then we'll read the comments. This is a little longer of a story. Not that much longer. It's like... Five pages instead of the, <laughs> the last couple, which have been one page, which I love. But it's okay, whatever. <clears throat> 2,500 years ago, he was to be the Buddha was born as a prince in the foothills of the Himalaya mountains. Sages had prophesied that the child's merit accumulated over countless lives, was now so great that he was destined to become either a mighty king, a world ruler, or an awakened Buddha. But one very old sage, Asita, prophesied that there could be no doubt the child would be a Buddha. And he wept, for he saw that he himself would die before the child attained the goal. King Sudadan wanted his son to be a great king, and he wanted to protect his child from the pain and suffering. So he named the boy Sadaharta, meaning he who who he who wishes are fulfilled and despite the death of the child's mother Maha within days of the birth stro strove to keep his family happy and pleasant. Sadaharta played in beautiful gardens during the fierce heat of summer he roamed the cool halls of marble palaces anything he desired was immediately his. Playmates, friends and loving and, and <clears throat> loving attendants constantly surrounded him. King Sudahan was happy and his people were happy too. Their king had provided them with a worthy hire, but Sadahara, he was he who wishes are wishes are fulfilled, was not happy. He saw what his father and the others would no longer see: cobras hunting frogs in the garden pools, falcons dropping upon terrified pigeons and doves, dead deer slung on the hunter's poles. He saw too the many fleeting sadnesses of compassions and friends, companions and friends. In vain, he tried to recall the face of the, of the mother he had never known. As he grew, these impressions gathered within him, piling up like dry sticks, a spark might, uh, start, <clears throat> piling up like dry sticks, a spark might ignite. When he was a young man, strong and in his prime, his father and his, his father had three palaces built for him: one for the hot, one for the cold, and one for the rainy season. Female musicians, dancers, and attendants chosen for their beauty surrounded him. Yashadar, uh, daughter of a neighboring king, became his wife. <clears throat> one day, the thought struck him that he had never really seen the world of his subjects, of ordinary women and men. He went to his charioteer, 
Charity, Cheyenne, and and said, take me, Cheyenne, or Shannon, out from the palace and into the streets of the city. I went to see my I want to see my people. I want to see how they live. Very good, sire, answered Cheyenne. Let's go tomorrow. I will make the necessary arrangements. And the prince was content. Shadahara's father, King Sadahan, and Parjet Parjapita, his uh, foster mother and maternal aunt, had long been dreading this moment, a sign of the prophecy unfolding. Soon Sadahara became might see what his father had worked so hard to keep from him. Old age and sickness, change and death. And the king knew that should that happen, they would lose him. Then the king ordered the captain of the guards to go into the villages and see to it that the beggars, the aged, the sick, and, and infirm were all hidden from view. Strew the, the roads with flowers and perfumes, he commanded. Make sure the only thing young and able-bodied, the handsome and healthy are on the streets when Saturhada arrives. What are you protecting them from? I guess just the, the, the heartache of life, I suppose. But, I mean, everybody has to go through it and you kind of just lead them up to failure because they're going to feel it at some point. You might as well have them a little bit, like, jaded? Not jaded. Like, a little bit understanding of the stuff that would be hitting it, like, super hard because then if they hit it super hard, then they're really in trouble. Okay. The preparations were carried out as King Sadahan had ordered, yet his fears remained unrelieved. The sun, the sun rose. The day broke. Sadahara and Cheyenne set off. The horses raced along the road. Birds sang and soared among the trees. White clouds drifted overhead. A cool breeze blew and the mountains rising behind them glowed in the early light. They entered the city streets. Rithers uh, <clears throat> of bright flowers hung everywhere. Crowds of smiling people cheered. Children laughed. Handsome couples strolled arm in arm. So this is life, thought Sadaharit. Why then have I been sad and troubled? My people are happy. But what was this? Suddenly a wrinkled and toothless old man, clotted in rags, bent and twisted with a burden of his ears, trotted from the crowd. There he stood, leaning on a stick, blinking blindly and pitifully in the sunlight. Then suddenly he was gone. What the fuck? I just saw something ugly and old. Whoa. I don't even know what those things were words. <clears throat> but I saw something. Bad? Wait. They're bad things? Mom, Dad. All right. <clears throat> the prince... The prince's horse laid back their eyes and neighed in their in terror. Rearing up, they tried to back away. Sederher leapt from the chariot and grabbed their reins. Cheyenne, he cried, what was that? What Was that a man or some other kind of creature? Noble prince, replied Cheyenne, for the, good, for the guys themselves ha had loosened his tongue. That was indeed a man, even as you and I, but it was an old man, sire. Tell me, Cheyenne, the prince asked, do all then become like these? Do all grow old? Yes, sighed Cheyenne. 
for despite the king's orders to keep the this hidden, the gods were at work knowing the destined time had become. Yes, they do. Infants become men and women, men and women age. All creatures on this earth at least grow old, noble prince. At last grow old. Shaking, the prince remounted his golden chariot. I'm just saying, somebody could mount a horse that didn't understand that. Man, what a long way to become the Buddha. Let's see. Um, all right, so this grown motherfucker. I'm sorry, this grown person is jumping on a horse, but never has seen the old people before. All right, that's where we're at. I lost my spot, so I'm just trying to find it. Uh, okay. Shaken, the prince remounted his golden chariot. Shanan, he asked. He said, Let's, let us turn the horse around and return. Though I'm still young, black-haired, and in the full flesh of my manhood, this is a bitter truth. Here is, a reason, here is reason enough to spill an ocean of tears. Shanan turned the horse, and they rode back, dispirited to the palace once again. Then the king said to him, had his men redouble their efforts. Once more, the guards scoured the village, villages and cleared the street of the city in preparation. I wonder what they did to these old people. I wonder, like, I'm, I'm sure it was mean things, you know. I'm sure they weren't just like, here's a cookie, you know, go over here, you, you know, old person. And what if you're on that cusp and you're like, oh, no, they're crowding me up. Yeah, must be a thing. And you see how he cried? He was just disheartened. He just went into the neighborhood, saw an old person, was like, oh, things things get old. Oh, yeah, I can't do this. I'm going home. I got things to think about. I'm going to watch a tree. Or an apple. What have you ever seen an apple rot? Probably not. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That night, Sutterhair tossed and turned feverishly. It was as if a blaze had begun burning within him. But the next morning, when the sun rose, the prince woke, Cheyenne saying, whatever lies ahead must be faced. Let, let us face it bravely. Prepare the chariot and the horses. We shall return. It is not over. It is not yet over. Once again, the horses raced along the road. Once again, fine breezes blew, and as before, they rolled down gallered streets where happy crowds smiled and cheered. Suddenly, a sick man tottered forth. He was thin, sweaty, wild-eyed, and, and disheveled. He coughed horribly, and so violently he almost fell. The happy people recoiled in alarm. Oh, goddamn. Oh, no. Whoa. Um, what is that? cried the prince. Giant. What has happened to that man? If Man it is. It is a man, my prince. And he is sick, answered Cheyenne. Shannon? Feverish and tormented. Was he born like this? asked the prince. No, Lord. Cheyenne replied slowly, like a man being dragged to his doom. He was in all likelihood born as sound as you and I. Can I can we all then become sick? asked the prince. Yes, admitted Cheyenne. Implied again by the gods to speak the truth, we can. Turn the horses around, explained the prince in dismay. This, uh, 
with old age on one hand and sickness on the other? How can I wonder so heedlessly? My faith in health and happy youth are gone. My love of festivity is over. Once again, they travel in silence back to the palace through the burning midday heat. As they pass through the crowd, it seemed to the prince as if all those smiling people stood unaware at the edges of the abyss. It was to him as if they were pieces of paper about to be blown by unknown winds into the mountain of flames. It's like he's riding on a horse looking at these happy people going, do y'all know people get old and sick? Huh? Why y'all so happy for it? You don't have a golden horse. What the fuck is wrong with these people? All right, we'll continue. Um. Uh, all right. Once again, they travel. Silence back. Okay. It was him. They were pieces of paper. Okay. All right. Cool night fell at last. But though the stars shone sparkling overhead, what delight could the prince take in them? All night long, he again lay feverishly tossing, consumed by thoughts of sickness and age. His wife, father, foster mother, Cheyenne, friends, and even his great horse, Kathaka, the crowds of people himself, he now saw that all were bound to the inexorable law of change. That night, King Sadahan also tossed and turned. He had sent out companies of soldiers under the strictest orders. No infirm age or sick person were, were to be allowed on the streets. Not one. Although the night was um, all, all through the night, his soldiers labored going from house to house so that the young prince would be sheltered from suffering's truth. But when the sun rose over the mountains, hope awoke in the prince's heart. Let what is to come, come, he thought. Whatever it is, I shall meet it face on and find a way through. Somehow he was certain that this was not yet the end of the road he was destined to travel. He's a cockroach, jumps back in bed. <laughs> I'm just... Okay, so once again, Shadowheart and Cheyenne set off from their palace. <clears throat> and once again, all seemed exactly as before. Smiling people gathered, tossing flowers, children played, doves and pigeons flew, willing in the sunlight. Yet, as they traveled on through those happy streets, the prince's mind reminded, or reminded, roused, alert, abound by, un, by and unattached to all he saw. He was vigilant, resolved to know the truth. Suddenly, set her her wailing cries. Cheyenne, he exclaimed. What is that? It is a funeral, sire. And Cheyenne, with a shiver, it marks a death. Ooh, this is good. Though Cheyenne did not pull on the reins of the horse, uh, on the reins, the horses stopped of their own accord. Cheyenne, that sleeping one, there, why does he not move? Asked the prince with a sense of forbidding. They cried loudly. They lift him up onto a hard bed of wood, yet still he does not open his eyes or raise for, from sleep. But what are they doing now? 
There are flames all around him. His hair, his clothes are burning, are on fire. Calm yourself, my lord, said Cheyenne. He does not feel the flames. He is dead. What? cried the prince. What do you mean? He is dead. His life is over, lord, says Cheyenne. There will be no more movement or action or decision, no more sight or smell or taste or touch or, more, or no more hopes or dreams, no more laughter or tears for him. It's over, finished. His days are done. This nigga is dead. Okay? Prince, got it? No more. Bye-bye. All right? <clears throat> These words of Cheyenne were, were again guided by the ever-watching, watchful gods. They knew that the time was right for Sadahar to set out and complete what he himself had begun so long ago. Cheyenne asked Sadahar, does this happen to everyone? Cheyenne turned away. Shannon. But, but the gods would have him speak. It does, my lord. It does, to each, to all. After old age and sickness comes death. To all, repeated the prince, staggering like a bull struck by, by the axe. To father, to mother, wife, to friends, oneself, to all? They turned away and rolled back through the crowds uh, as flames and smoke rose around the uncaring corpse. Again, the, the smiling uh, gallered crowds towards, crowds gathered, but this time the prince hardly saw. In his mind, the crackling flames and the uh, billowing smoke presented, persisted itself, still, persisted still. Old age and sickness await, said the prince, and then comes death. No one knows when either sickness or death itself will strike, yet, like the sure coming of old age, strike they must. So, is this it? Then the end I have sought? Is there nothing more? No, brave prince, I said a steady voice. It is not the end. It is not yet the end at all. There stood a homeless, wandering truth seeker, grasping a wooden staff and carrying a uh, <clears throat> begging bowl. This is simply where we begin. Walk on, young prince, walk on. The further you go into these mountains, the higher they get. You are still only only in the foothills. Seek the highest, said Herod, the heights. Seek the heights, said Herod, the heights. There you wish, your, there your wishes will indeed be fulfilled. Then suddenly he was gone. A messenger from the palace stood at the prince's side. Your wife, he said, Yasadora, sends, your sends you greetings. She is well and shares with you her joy. This day she has borne you a son. It was complete. Birth, old age, sickness, death, and the knowledge of a path that led beyond them all was now clear to him. Old age approaches. Sickness and death may strike at any moment. Thought the prince, having been, having been born, all are subject to the to these despoilers. Yet there is a path beyond such sorrow. I shall take it and walk it to the end. I shall find a way to help all beings trapped as they are by age, sickness, and death. I am resolved. I will not. I will not turn back. 
mounting his chariot as it if in a dream. The prince Sadahir and Cheyenne, his chariot, rode back in silence to the palace once again. Words rose in the prince's mind, sounding over and over to the rhythm of the horse's hoofs. Now is the time to enter the mountains. Now is the time to seek the great heights. Like a flood, a river of hope and courage surged through the prince's heart, standing firmly in the rocking chariot. He saw the mountains looming closer and closer, rising higher and higher as the horses sped on. And that was the end of uh, that story, uh, which was um, Leaving Home, which I honestly really like that story. Um, I like some dark, you know me, I'm all about my death. You don't know me, but I'm all about my death. I love reading about like just dealing with the terrible things because life is terrible. And th that book kind of highlighted like, so wait, wait, you... You get old, you get sick, and then you die? It's like, yeah. And then lucky enough, you know, you got the rich in between all that to help out. But some people don't even have that. Some people are poor. Then they get old, sick, are sick, old, and they still just die, you know. So that's um, that's pretty that's pretty cool. Just like, you know, but there's still hope. And go help people, you privileged mofo. Uh, let's go ahead and start reading this. Uh commentaries are leaving home commentaries the buddha's leaving home brings history and legend together joseph campbell calls the buddha's home leaving the most celebrated example of of the call to adventure in the literature of the world hero with a thousand faces the prince sadahir did leave home 2500 years ago to seek and find enlightenment the mythic imagination, however, was obviously deeply at work in the tradition which followed. Finding as it is, as is its way, the universal and the particular. In this story of one person, we find the story of all. At some point, each of us does awaken from uh, naive innocence to see the cruelties and imponderable injustice of life. And all, too, do eventually leave the, the security of home to find his or her own way. That in such, in such, that in such a few days, the prince would literally, for the very first time, see sickness, aging, and death is probably unlikely. That he, for the first time, actually saw them. That is, took them in and, and was stuck and was struck. Not just intellectually, but in the guts. It's true. Even likely enough, so my Zen teacher, Roso, Ro Roshi Kapalu, would often say, Robert Atkin Roshi states, if it could be shown that Shakyamani never lived, the myth of his life would be our guide. In fact, it is better to acknowledge at the outset that myths and archetypes guide us just as they do every religious person. The myth of the Buddha is my own myth. The, the gods who guided Cheyenne's speech and who in the same, version, same versions of the Buddha's leaving home take the form of the old man, the sick man, the dead man, and the homeless truth seeker. In some versions, a hermit or monk are the devas of higher than earthly realms and are part of traditional Buddhist cosmology. According to Buddhist thought, 
there are six realms, hell realms, hunger, ghostly realms, animal realms, human realms, realms of the Asaraz or warring spirits and highest of all realms of the blissful devas or gods. These six realms are arranged like a kind of Ferris wheel with hells and their denseness at the very bottom, heavens and the devas at the top. Two of these realms are ordinarily visible to us, human and, and, and animal realms. The six realms may be viewed mythically or psychological, psychologically or both. Mythologies, mythologies or cultures throughout the world reveal something of the same archetype pattern of possible realities. Certain, certainly, it is not hard to accept the psychological reality of one's own daily wandering through these six realms of being. Hateful, dynamic thoughts give way to greedy, ghostly ones, which may in return be replaced by clouded, animalistic thinking, which then inexplicably brightens into kind, considerate, considerate even godlike perception um, of the world and those around us, only to be sub supplanted by ordinary, selfish human ideas, or worse, a fall again into paranoid and hellish thoughts, thought realms, and so on. Devasa gods or beings of higher realms exist according to Buddhist thought. In many levels and varieties, some of these higher-than-human beings dwell in realms of great sensual delight. Others manifest a very pure spirituality. They generally lead lives of great freedom and pleasure, lives of wishful fulfillment, one through positive karma of the past. But it is no ultimate condition, and when their good karma is, is exhausted, it is sad such beings may fall into realms of terrible anguish and suffering. In Buddhism, uh, the human realm is considered most ad adventurous, even more so than life in any of the heavens. It is, it, is the, it is from the human realm through the vehicle of a human body and mind, which are seen as very hard to attain in terms of rebirth, that one may gain enlightenment. See the Naga King. Okay, we'll see that at some point. In each of these realms, even the lowest of the hells are said to be Buddhas, Buddhas and Buddhavastas resolved out of their great selfless compassion to help all suffering beings, an expression of the universal compassion underlying all transitory states of existence. <clears throat> see most lovely Fujin. Um, in Buddhism, no one is condemned internally to heaven or hell or to any state in between. All such states are casually created by one's own thoughts and actions, i.e. karma. And as one karma changes, the realm in which one resides must also change. Viewed mythical, mythically, mythical beings are reborn in one realm after having died, their karma exhausted in another. Viewed psychologically, we move from states of suffering and inadequacy to conditions of great confidence and security, and vice versa. In the course of a lifetime, as well as in the course of a day, an hour, or an instant. In Jakartas, we see the Buddha himself moving spiritually, evolving through the ex this, his experiences in different realms, human, animal, or devi. Sometimes in Buddhist tales <clears throat> and legends, other realms 
hungry, ghostly, warring spirit and demonic or beings may appear. These various mythological, mythological types, of course, also appear throughout the traditional literature of the world. Devas appear often in the Jakatas and the Buddhist tales and the legends in general. In this collection, see also Samadad meets Deepanark Buddha, Birth of the Buddha, the, bravest little, the Brave Little Pair for appearances by Shakara, King of Gods, see the Steadfast Parrot, the Hare Sacrifice, the Black Hound, King Sava, an especially clear examination of the Six Realms, and of the wheel of the of rebirth formed by the six realms appears in the three jewels by Sangha Hexita. I don't know. Um, so that's so we finished. We finished. Uh, that was really interesting. I actually really liked not only living home that compliment the commentary because uh, I want to learn more about the six wheels and the realms and the rails the realm the the realms. Uh, I want to. Learn more. I'm just interested in Buddhism as of right now. It seems pretty cool. I like what they're talking about. It's really like some pretty deep stuff there. You're making your own heaven and hell, and you know it's karma and all this other stuff. It's pretty, uh, pretty deep. Uh, so much so that, like, I think I would, for, for me personally, have to read it multiple times or like see different viewpoints of it to really kind of comprehend it. At least that I think I, I would need to. Um, but um, hopefully, like as I keep doing this, we'll be reading other crazy stuff that um, that will wrap around. You know, we'll see how everything connects. Um, so that's cool. All right, thank you for listening. This is reading with finest.